Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So come with me, come with me in your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 13, because it's too good, it's too good a message. This one is actually a very, very prophetic message for the church. And uh, I like the discipline of writing new messages all the time, staying fresh, staying sharp, staying on the edge, staying in the hunt, pursuing God. But sometimes there's a word that is a, that is a seasonal word, and this is a seasonal word. So I want you to get ready. So 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 says, uh, and we're reading from the New King James, my favorite, just... To be transparent, I read from the NIV at San Marcos. Now, don't tell them up there that I read from that New King James. I don't want them to think Balboa are his favorites because he read NIV, the nearly inspired version up here, but he read the New King James at... All right, so here we go. Verse verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. And said, oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Now, just what an interesting thing to say, but just let let me explain what it was. Elisha is, he's literally last breaths right now. He is the disciple. He is the protege of Elijah. Elijah was the one who took on the 450 prophets of Baal the 400 prophets of Asherah, took on Ahab and Jezebel. The entire land of Israel had been ransacked by wickedness. It's kind of very similar to what America is going through right now. The fake news, which is what false prophets are. It's all the false prophets are. So Elijah brought down the fake news, and then we had Jezebel in the palace. Now, you would say, well, Ahab was king. Ahab was the signatory, but Jezebel was pulling the strings. Because Jezebel was pulling the strings, it's very interesting. All the people around Jezebel were eunuchs. All the people around Jezebel were eunuchs. Many Bible commentators believe that because Jezebel had brought such a, a spirit of defiance and rebellion against Hashem, against the Lord, uh, that, that, that people were back then transitioning genders, rejecting genders, cutting off and living in, on both sides, all kinds of... So it kind of sounds familiar. So now fast forward, there's been, a, been a, a bit of a cleanup. Jezebel is dead, but Elisha is on his sickbed and the Aramaeans or the Syrians have now surrounded Israel. They've got another battle at hand. And the king, King Joash, when he got the report and he heard that the Syrians are outnumbering them something like 300 to 1 and they've cut off their, their supply and they've cut off their water and they cut off their bread... He's, he's overwhelmed. He knows that his army and his infantry is no match for the enemy out there. And so he comes 
to Elisha who is on his deathbed and he weeps over him and he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen, which is the same thing that Elisha said to Elijah when Elijah was taken up to heaven. Elijah had Elisha as a, as a disciple and Elisha was faithful as a disciple. Yeah. Elisha had never prophesied, but he, he's now a prophet. But back then, he was just the man that poured water on the hands of Elijah. And so Elijah stops and he says, listen, what do you want me to do for you before I'm taken up? And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of the the spirit that you carry. And Elijah says this. He says, oh, man, man, what you've asked for is a hard thing. Nevertheless. What you've asked for is a hard thing, nevertheless. If you're with me when I'm taken up, what you've asked for is a hard thing. May I just say to you that in in this house we would, I mean, I want to forbid, but you can't really forbid, Pastor Dana, so you just got to encourage. Don't ask for little things. Don't ask for easy things. You know, we have prayer every week on the platform at prayer meetings. And if you want to kind of be chosen to pray, don't pray prayers like this. Lord, we just ask that you just, and we know you're really busy, Lord, and we don't want to bother you. So we just ask, and and what we're asking for, it's not big, it's not difficult. So we just ask, you know, I was going to ask for this, but you know, it's kind of hard. So we're just going to ask for, so if you, so we don't pray prayers like that. You, you know you're in an atmosphere. Elisha asked for a hard thing, and no wonder he asked for a hard thing. He's under the leadership of Elijah. Elijah, after taking out the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, hears and he calls the king over. The king you know, comes when Elisha beckons, and he says, go up to your palace and eat and drink. I'm going to go back up there because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There's been a drought in the land that has caused the economy to grind to a screeching halt. But I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And the same man that just previously called fire down on Mount Carmel treks back up to the top of Mount Carmel, bows with his face to the ground and begins to cry out. And then he sends his servant... Elisha, go and see if there's any change. And Elisha goes and looks out to the, the there's no change. And he comes back, he says, go again. And, and Elisha is watching Elijah pray and pray and pray and send and pray and send. He's like, after the fifth time, he's like, I'm not, I'm not jogging anymore. I'm just going to go a slow one. And nothing's changed. And he comes back. And the sixth time goes again. And then on the seventh, he's like, this guy. And then he says, well, something just shifted. I see, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand coming up out of the sea. And Elisha says to him, run, run. You won't even make it to the palace before the whole sky is filled with clouds and the drought is broken and torrential downpour, torrential rain. Elisha's been under that leadership, so he asked for difficult things. I know that we're doing the right job in the house. I know that we're preaching the word. I know that we're preaching faith when you ask for difficult things. When you don't just believe God for a home in San Diego, you're like, you know what? 
If God is still on the throne, we're going to believe God for a second home in San Diego and turn our first one into an Airbnb bit. Are you asking for difficult things? Elisha says, I want a double portion of what's on you. And I love Elijah. He says, man, what you asked is difficult, but I like it. If you're with me when I'm taken up, it'll be so. So Elisha stays in the hunt. Elijah is taken up. And as he's taken up, Elisha cries out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha's, Elijah's mantle falls and Elisha picks it up and he walks over to the Jordan River and he rolls up the mantle and he strikes the river and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And as he struck the water, it opened up and then everybody saw that the spirit of Elijah now rested on Elisha. If you read your Bibles, which we encourage, you'll find that Elisha does twice the miracles of Elijah. He actually did receive a double portion of the Spirit. So now the king comes to Elisha because he knows the order of God. He knows that the kingdom is not something that is merely communicated, but it's something that is transmitted. The kingdom is transmitted. Jesus laid his hands on the disciples. The Bible says, and Jesus breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. He didn't put them in a classroom and educate the cerebral cortex of their brains. He imparted a spirit. Half the time they didn't understand what was going on, but they just knew they had power. They didn't understand, but they just had faith. They didn't understand, but they had gifts. They didn't understand, but they had anointing. And so this king comes and he's like, is there one more miracle left in the bottom of the barrel? We need, what? we need a miracle. We need relief. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha says to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Now, this is the part I want you to underline. For you must strike. Everyone say must strike. <laughs> For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Everyone say must strike. <laughs> then he said, now take the arrows. So the king took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. He said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed them. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him. Title of my message tonight is strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground. If you're looking for a word from God, here it is. Strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground. I've got four quick points. Number one, warfare is required. Warfare is required. The battle that we're in right now is not going to be won by passivity. It's not going to be, be won by crossing our fingers, knocking on wood, and having a little rabbit's foot. Come on, the rabbit's foot didn't help the rabbit. 
Little three-legged three rabbit running around going, where's my foot? And someone's wearing it. It didn't, wasn't lucky for him. It's not lucky for you. <laughs> the king comes to Elisha asking for a miracle. And you know what Elisha doesn't say? He doesn't say, hey, God's in control. God's got it. Whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. He doesn't say that. First, first thing he says, he says, take a bow and some arrows. Take a bow and some arrows. Open the east window and shoot. Can I just tell you this? We, we, don't, we don't fight aimlessly. We don't just kind of go war aimlessly. But we also don't sit back saying, well, you know, I sure hope God comes through. We don't really know what God's doing. I can't tell you how many, well, you know, we don't really know what God's up to. Oh, you're not reading your Bible anymore? <laughs> the king is commissioned to go and get a bow and some arrows. Look at 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, My son Timothy, he says, According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, by them wage the good warfare. By them wage the good warfare. There are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There are only two kingdoms. For the kingdom of God to increase, the kingdom of darkness must decrease. Let me just give you a clue. The devil don't like losing ground. We were, it was prophesied that we were going to have a campus down this road. I mean, it was identical. The prophecy was literally our Bayho campus. But at the last minute, at the last minute, the devil got involved and they, 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 they gave it to a developer instead of us. The wheels came off. I got a call from Pastor John saying, man, like, did we miss it? Did we mishear the prophecy? Did we fail? Did we do something wrong? I said, no, we've done nothing wrong. This is just a freaking devil. I said, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to curse the other offer. Come on, the Bible says whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth, what's the point of having that authority if you don't use it? So we're going to curse that offer. I said, then we're going to begin to prophesy and, and you know, believe for a heart. And sure enough, was it like a week or two later? Everything shifted. Everything shifted. Nothing's going to change in America until the righteous rise. They're, they're, they're terrified. When you, see, when you see Antifa and, you know, the, the crazy crowd, I want you to understand they are flown in, bust in by George Soros. He, he, he funds chaos. The reason he funds chaos is because when there's chaos, people freak and then government more government, more government control because we want peace and order. It's, it's all a ploy. He wants to get less authority to you and more authority to get. So he funds chaos and disorder. But they're the same people in every place. When they arrest them, they find they're all from out of town. None of them are, are, are local. But the sad thing is that the devil sometimes is more passionate about turning up to these things, smashing and looting and stealing Nike, Nike shoes and Air Jordans than what we are of standing up for righteousness. Right now, we've got a, a, an issue, a situation out in Santee. And I want to encourage you, let's stand up and say, you know what? Men in men's locker rooms, women in women's locker rooms. 
And if, if you're saying, well, I got the right to pee wherever I want, well, you may have, but our children have a greater right to be safe. Our children have a greater right to be protected. Our children deserve to be safe. And let me, let me, just, let me just double down on that. We, we, we lived in South, South Auckland or, you know, in fact, South, South Auckland, bro. Far, what's the matter with you, bro? Oh, you're from South Auckland, eh? So I was from South Auckland. We did seven years in South Auckland. And uh, it, it, South Auckland was, I mean, it was, it was just low socioeconomic, high crime, high violence. We did an outreach in Hillary College, which was uh, uh, a, a girls' school, and uh, over 50 girls got saved. So we brought them to our, our DNA, New Christians class, and, uh, and I'm trying to teach baptism, and for whatever reason, I kept going off on these tangents talking about being sexually abused. And I'm like, dear God, what is wrong with me? And I'm trying to get back on baptism and following Jesus, you know, and if you've been sexually abused, I'm like, what the heck? And so I finally thought, this is the Holy Ghost. I said, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed. I said, if, if you're here and you've been sexually interfered with, raise your hand. There was, there was 50 girls, 48 hands went up. And I said, oh my gosh. I said, I must have, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've just... I've completely misspoke. I'm so sorry. I mean, sorry, not, put your hands down. Not, not if you, if you haven't, I said, if you have been, if you have been abused. The 48 hands went up again. It was amazing because we were youth pastors. It was amazing how many stories we had. Public restroom, public restroom, public restroom, public restroom. One night preaching and uh, we're doing a series on relationships and I'm off on the occult Satanism and spiritual warfare and I'm like you know Leanne's on the front row rolling her eyes going he's chasing little white rabbits again and I'm like looking at her going I don't know why I'm and so I'm trying to get back on anyway and so back to relationships and so I'm trying and then next minute I'm over here on occult and I'm like dear god what is going on well there was a kid that had come in from the back who when I gave the altar call, got saved. He comes forward, and as I pray for him, his eyes roll back in his head, and he starts growling, and a voice starts speaking out of him that wasn't his voice. So I got them to take him straight up, because everyone's freaking out, so I got them to take him straight up into my, my office. So I get to, get to my office after, after I calmed everything down, and he's in the fetal position in the corner. And so, so I walk in, and I'm just... I'm just pastor I'm just ready to love on him so I walk in with, with my Bible and said hey hey buddy is everything and uh, and he kind of looks up at me and he sees me holding the Bible and he goes get that book away from me I said this book <laughs> oh you mean this book let me read a little to you they if you want to cast demons, they just start reading the Bible. They, they, were, they were climbing over one another to get out. So I cast all these demons out. It tells a story. That night, he was walking to jump off Mangare Bridge. He was going to commit suicide. As he's walking, he hears a voice say, turn down this street. He's like, no, Mangare Bridge is this way. And the voice says, follow the music. Our church was in an industrial area. And we had our praise and worship going. Our youth group was so cool. We were called Club Adonai. Oh, yeah. Oh, Becky, why is that? Thanks a lot, Becky. I thought it was really cool, Joel. Club Adonai. 
And we had a little, we had a little slogan, Club Adonai, for those that like the power. Anyway, so you can call it lame all you like, but it was cool back then. And uh, anyway, and so, so he, he follows the music. He gets to, the, he gets to this warehouse, because that's what we were meeting in a warehouse. And then the voice says, go inside. So he comes in and he sits up the back. He was going to commit suicide that night. What I didn't know was his, his father uh, was also a, an alcoholic and was a very violent man, used to beat his mother senseless, knock her out, knock her uncold. The police would always come. He was a little boy calling the police. So the mum and dad were split up. He was playing cricket and his dad turned up to the game, but his dad turned up rolling drunk. And this young man was in the field and they hit the ball and it came to him for a catch and he dropped the catch. And so the other team won. And after the game, his father met him on the sideline to, because his father said he was going to take him home. And his father had a cricket ball in his hand. And a cricket ball is a lot harder than a baseball and it's got, like a, it's got a seam, they, we call it six stitches because it has six lots of stitches around the seam. And he got the cricket ball and he threw it as hard as he could into this young man's chest, breaking four of his ribs. The little boy saw, and he says, you're blanking walking home. And the dad left. The little boy with broken ribs, with a father that just rejected him like that, goes into the restroom and he's crying in the restroom and he's trying to, trying to breathe when a man comes out of one of the stalls, grabs him and viciously sexually abuses him in one of the cubicles. He turns to the occult, he turns to Satanism, he turns to everything to try and numb the pain, but he can't numb the pain. Now he's 18 years of age and he decides nothing's going to take away this pain. I'm going to jump off a bridge. And as he's walking and jump off a bridge, a voice says, follow the music. Go into that building. He comes in. There's a guy who's meant to be preaching on relationships, keeps going off on little white rabbit tangents, preaching on the occult. He said, everything you said was exactly my life. Gave his life to Christ, became one of our, one of our awesome business leaders, become one of our biggest givers and become one of our most faithful youth leaders. But the tragedy was he had so much trauma. It happened in a public restroom. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. They, they said, how did, how, did, you know, how did Nazi Germany happen? If you look at Martin Niemöller and... Uh, who's the other guy? Martin Niemöller and uh, Bonhoeffer, Friedrich Bonhoeffer. They said... What happened was when they came for the disabled, we didn't say anything because we weren't disabled. And then when they, when they, when they came for the homosexual, we didn't say anything because we weren't homosexual. And then when they came for the, the mentally, we didn't say anything because we weren't meant to. And then when they came for the, the, uh, the Catholics, we didn't say anything because we weren't Catholic. And when they came for the Jews, we didn't say anything because we weren't Jews. And then when they came for the church, there was no one left to say anything. So at some point, you can just keep backing up and you can just keep sitting there silent. But at some point, you've got to take a bow and you've got to take some arrows and you've got to recognize when you put your hand on, the hand of heaven has come on. If we don't stand up, if we don't fight for California, we'll lose her. If we don't fight for Santee, we lose her. If we don't fight for this next generation, we lose her. If we don't fight for the unborn, we lose them. If we don't fight for San Diego, we lose it. If we don't fight for California, I'm not letting the devil 
take down our state, take down our city, take down our counties, take down our future, take down our young people, take away our little children's innocence. I'm not let, not on our watch, Bob. We're going to take a bow and some arrows. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two is vision and hope required. Oh, shoot, look at the time. Vision and hope required. He says, open the east window. So the king puts his hand on the bow. Elisha puts his hand on saying the blessing of God is on warfare. This is a season when you're going to win this through warfare. You've got to stand up. You've got to, you've got to push back. You've got, to, you've got to let your voice be heard. Don't let the wicked's voice be the loudest voice. Let your voice be heard. Engage in the battle. And then he says, now open the east window. The east window. If you look where Syria is, Syria is to the north. They were gathering from the north. The attack was coming from the north. Elisha didn't say, go and open the north window and shoot. He says, I want you to open the east window. Why the east window? Because the east is where the sun rises. If he would have opened the north window, he would have said, oh my gosh, look at how big the enemy is. Oh no. And God is saying, don't even look at the enemy. Oh, but Pastor, have you, have you seen the economy? Don't even look. Have you seen how many food plants have ca- caught on fire, food processing? Have you seen they're just 100,000 chickens? Have you seen the price? Don't, don't even look at empty shells, Biden. Don't even look at the supply chains. Don't even look at Davos and the forum. Don't even, li- don't even listen to the lying reprobates. Don't, don't even look. Open the east window. Open the east window because the sun rises in the east. The sun rises. The Bible says that, that Jesus comes... Jesus Christ rises on the, on the, from the east with healing in his wings. We begin to prophesy a new day. Open the east window where the sun rises, where there's a brand new day. Believe God for a brand new day. Can I just tell you, the greatest days for San Diego aren't in the past. Greatest days for California aren't in the past. Well, we had the 1906 Azusa Street. What's about to happen is going to blow Azusa Street out of the water. Or we had the Jesus movement in the 70s. What's about to happen is going to blow the Jesus movement out of the water. There's a new generation rising. There's a new anointing falling. The same God who sits on the throne, the same God who poured out, the same God who moved in might, the same God who moved in power is the same God who's getting ready, getting ready, getting ready to move again. You just got to open the east window. That's why I love in this house, we preach faith, hope, and love. Vision and hope is required. Open the east window. When he opens the east window, the king says, uh, Elisha says to the king, shoot. So the the king gets the the, the bow, puts an arrow in there, and, and he shoots an arrow through the window. And as the arrow flies into a new day, Elisha prophesies and he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and deliverance from Syria. Number three, prophesying is required. Prophesying is required. There's a song, it's an evil song. It's from the devil. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Who said that? Well, it's in the song. No, no, no. The future is not ours to see. Can I tell you, the future belongs to those who see. Do you know what a prophet is? A prophet is a seer. The devil wants a blinded generation. The future is not ours to see. Oh, I disagree. 
the future is ours to see. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dream. The future, you are, you are a futurist. If, you, if Christ is on the inside of you, if the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, you are a futurist. Vision is God sending you a picture of your future. It's a postcard from your future saying, this is where you're headed. This is where you're going. You should have a... When, they, when we came here, God gave me a vision of one church, four locations. Then when we kind of got close to doing that, he says, okay, now, well done, good and faithful servant. Now it's going to be 16. I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have just stuck with the... F-. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> But the future is yours to see. If you don't see the future, you can't. God says to Abraham, Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land that you see, I'm giving to you. All the land that you see, I'm giving to you. The inference is what you don't see, you won't possess. What you don't see, you can't have. But everything you see, I'm giving you. Everything you see, I'm giving you. Everything I see, you see, I'm giving you. God put your eyes in the front of your head so you would be forward looking. You're meant to see destiny. You're meant to see. But the devil hijacks so many people. Oh, I just see trouble. Man, I was listening to CNBC. Oh, I was listening to the negativity, negative naysaying people, doom and gloomers. On t- and they were telling us it's all oh, dark times and the world is ending and there's too many people around and we're going to reduce our the people flying private Lear jets are telling us that we need to reduce our If it's so serious, how come that? Anyway, and so there's all this doom and gloom. You don't need to listen to the doom and gloom and the lying and the negative and the faithless. Don't let them tell you your life forecast. My God, they can't even get the weather forecast right. Why would you trust them with your future? Why would you trust them with your destiny? Go to the Word of God. Open the east window and shoot an arrow. Shoot an arrow. Shooting the arrow is prophesying. Sometimes you just got to get God's word and just shoot it into your future. Have a look at, have a look at this. In, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse, uh, actually go to uh, Psalm 119 verse 89. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 89. If we can throw it up. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word settled there is, is an interesting Hebrew word. It's, it's, a, it's a warfare word. And it's, it basically means, settled means when, when the, the, uh, the soldiers would take territory, they would then place sentinels, marines, like Pastor Charles, they, they would place marines in the, the area, the land, the territory they just conquered to protect it so they didn't lose it back to the enemy. So they will put their, their fighters, they put their marines, their sentinels in that. That's what the word of God says. That's the word there, settled. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In other words, when God's word goes forth, it takes territory and it settles that territory. It becomes a sentinel. It becomes a marine corps protecting that territory. Shoot words of God into your future. 
Most people curse their future. Most people speak negative about their future. Don't do it. Begin to speak the word of God. He says, open the east window of faith. Open the east window of hope. Open the east window of a new day. Open the east window of greater prospects. Open the east window because the sun is rising on a new day. And begin to shoot your arrows and prophesy a brand new day. Have a look at at Jeremiah 1 verse 12. Jeremiah 1 verse 12. The Lord says, you have seen correctly. You have seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. Another translation says that God watches over his word to perform it. God watches over his word to perform it. You know what the devil doesn't want us to do in San Diego? He didn't want us opening the east window. Oh, that awakened church. Oh, yeah. Oh, they ever preach his hope. Oh, they ever preach his faith. Oh, everyone's good looking. And everyone's prospering. Everyone's doing well. Where's all the failures and losers? It's not a real church. It's because we opened the freaking east window. That's why. It's because we're teaching people, shoot the word of God. Now watch this. Watch this. The words of Jürgen had... But the word of God? The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. The greatest thing you can do is load load his word into your mouth and shoot it through the east window. Shoot it into a brand new day. Because God watches over his word to perform it. The Bible says that the, the disciples went out preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with signs and wonders following. God confirms the word. God watches over his word. Have a look at this one in Psalm 103 verse 20. Psalm 103 verse 20 is one of my favorite ones. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of the Lord. Heeding the voice of... Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who... Not only do his word, but they heed the voice of his word. Another translation says the angels set themselves to obey the word, listening, listening to respond to the word. When you you put God's word in your mouth and you shoot it forward, The angels don't know where it came from. They they have not been wired. They have not been programmed to say, hang on, that's the Word of God. But where did that come? Was that Pastor Jurgen again? He's a rascal. Have you noticed he's always quoting God? The angels who excel in strength set themselves to do the Word, to do the Word, setting themselves to heed the word. So when the word goes forth, my children shall be taught of the Lord. They, they, they follow that word and they're like, yes, they, they, they obey the word. When you say every place the sole of my foot shall tread, God has given me. Devil, get off the salvation army. That's ours. The angels 
goes straight to that. They don't know where it came from. All they know, it's the Word of God. They are programmed. They excel in strength. They obey the Word of God. They do the Word of God. Let me say this, it's gonna mess you up, but it's, it's true. The Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's God's Word. I know it messes with religious people, so I'm gonna say it again. The Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word in His mouth because it's His Word. Have a look at Isaiah 55 verse 11. It says, So shall my Word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Open the east window. Don't open the north window. Don't look at the enemy. Don't, look, don't open the south window and think, man, can we escape to Idaho? Can we escape to Montana? Can we escape to? Open the east window. Open the east window. There's a brand new day coming, California. There's a brand new day coming, San Diego. And that's where you begin to shoot your arrows. Your kids may be on drugs. Your marriage may be on the rocks. Your finances may be, they may have just foreclosed. There may be repo guy coming to take your car. Begin to shoot arrows. Open the east window. Open it. What's the window? Something you see through. You meant to see through into a new day. Shoot and he shot. What are you shooting into your future? What are you shooting into your tomorrow? Oh, pastor, we don't know the future. Tell me what words you've been prophesying and I'll tell you your future. You know our future? Oh my God, it's, in fact, I've got to slow down a little bit. Now it's getting a little crazy. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe not as many arrows flying through the window. What's the future bright? What's the future greater miracles? Greater healings, greater moves of God. More people disciple, more people empower people. Having breakthroughs, healing, deliverance. The beginning of Roe v. Wade overturning, going to be felt by every single state. Move of God coming. America being restored. How, how, how do you know all of that? Because God's word never returns to Him void. It always prospers in the thing for which it was sent. Send God's word. Send God's word. The last one, I know the musicians are up and I'm in big trouble. Pastor Becky already warned me, if you go over, Pastor, that'll be the last. Man, she's tough. So after he shoots, Elisha says to the king, he says, now take some arrows for you must strike the the Syrians at Aphek until you've wiped them out. You must strike. He's on his deathbed. Take some arrows. Strike them. You've got to strike the Syrians at Aphek until you've wiped them out, until they're destroyed. He says, mustering himself, pulling himself up on his bed. He looks at the king. He says, strike the ground. And the king gets the arrows and he goes, tap, tap, tap. And Elisha was angry. Why, why did you stop? I said, you got to strike until. I never said stop. I said strike. I didn't say stop. Pastor, 
The wheels came off my, my, my life. I can tell you where. Where you stopped obeying God's word. It's passion versus apathy. Tap, tap, tap a Why'd you stop? Why did you stop? Lethargy. John Wesley, who turned the world upside down, got set on fire and he got up at 6 a.m. because he was determined every day, I'm going to start the day in prayer. And at 6 a.m. As he's, as he's praying in the Spirit, he hears a ting, 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 ting. He walks over and he looks and there's a light on. And it's the, the local blacksmith. Ting, 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 ting. And he thought, my God. He says, that blacksmith's more passionate about his craft than I am about my God. So the next morning, <clears throat> he got up at 5.30. As he lifted his hands to pray. Ting, 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 ting. Ting, ting. It's the same freaking blacksmith. So the next morning, he got up at 5.00. Lifts his hands, ting, 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 ting. Next morning, got up at 4.30. Lifts his hands. He says, I refuse to let anybody be more passionate about their craft than I am about my God. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. The king says, strike the ground. Strike. He says, I struck three times and I stopped. Pastor, you didn't understand. You didn't, you, I, I hear you, Pastor. You said how you got her is how you keep her. So we, we, we tried it. We went on three dates, but nothing changed. Oh, why'd you stop? Who said stop? Well, you don't understand, Pastor. We, we, we heard Brooke and the tithing thing. We tried tithing for three months. Nothing changed. Well, who, who, who said stop? Who, 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 who said quit? Well, you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand. I've been in rehab three times, and I keep slipping back. Uh, who, who, who said stop striking? Who said stop striking? Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Notice he didn't say strike the floor. He said strike the ground. Because when man sinned, what did God curse? He didn't curse man, he cursed the ground. Didn't he, Mikey? God cursed the ground. You'll hear people say, well, you know, life's a bee and then you die. Life's hard. Life's not easy. Yeah, well done. You're just taking a reading from the curse. God says, I put my hand on the bow. I've put my hand on the arrows. You've opened the east window and shut. Now take those arrows and strike the cursed area. Strike the cursed area. Strike the cursed area. How long do I do a pastor? Until, the, until you've destroyed, until you've defeated, until you've got the breakthrough, until. Many years ago, many years ago, they interviewed Billy Graham. I'm finishing. They interviewed Billy Graham and they said to Billy Graham, they said, listen, You were piping off about all these pastors who got divorced and 
remarried saying that, you know, there's, there's got to be some type of time out and consequence. Well, well, what would you do, Billy Graham, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you no longer had any love in your heart for your wife? What would you do? Would you stay in an unhappy marriage? And, and they pan the camera and Billy Graham's wife's on the front row and she's looking. And I love Billy Graham. He says, what would I do if tomorrow morning I woke up and I no longer had any love left for my wife in my heart? He says, I'll tell you what I'd do. He said, I'd get down on my knees and pray and I wouldn't get off my knees until the love came back. They put the camera back on his wife. Tears are coursing down her cheeks because here is a man who knows how to strike until. He will strike until. He will strike until. You don't understand, Pastor, how marriage has been stuck. Strike until. Strike until. You don't understand. We haven't got our breakthrough. We put an offer and someone out there is. We put another offer and then someone else out there. I just don't think we're. Strike until. Strike until. Strike until. Lift your hands high to heaven. The book of Acts, chapter 2, is the, is the chapter of power. It says they were all in one accord in one place. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, and there came a sound from heaven, suddenly, it says, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire divided and set upon each of them. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And they went and turned the world upside down. Suddenly God moved. But Pastor Morgan will tell you, God takes a long time to move suddenly. Because it was 10 days earlier, 10 days earlier, Jesus is waiting in Jerusalem to receive power. And 580 people went, man, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to get some power, man. You should come. We're going to get power. And they went there. Man, it's an hour. When's this power coming? I'm getting hungry. 580 people on day one. Day two, day three, day four, whittling down, whittling down. By the time it gets to day 10, there's only 120 left. Only 120 left. Are you good at math, Pastor Morgan? Pretty good? How many hours in a day? How many days was it that had the wait? What's 10 24s? 240. What's the number of men? What's six into 240? 40. What's 40 in the Bible? 40 is tribulation testing. Tribulation testing. Trib God had to, God had to get. He had to deal with their flesh. He had to deal with their man. He had to deal with their six. He had to deal with their humanity. God moved suddenly. But the suddenly came to those who struck. Those who struck. Blind Bartimaeus is by the side of the road. And he hears that Jesus is leaving Jericho. And when he says, well, what's the commotion? They say, that's that, that's that carpenter's son, the guy doing the miracles. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd told him to shut up. The crowd says, be silent, be quiet. Stop shouting out to him. The crowd was trying to tell him, dude, you're cursed. You were born blind. 
just shut up. Just the curse is great, but he doesn't shut up. The Bible says, and blind Bartimaeus cried out all the more. You know what he was doing? He was striking again. He was striking again. He said, I'm not living the same each and every day. Jesus, the Messiah, is being prophesied. He opens the eyes of the blind. You're telling me to shut up. I'm not going to quit striking. I'm going to keep striking. Your praise, your praise is one praise away. Your miracle is one consistent action away. Every single miracle is birthed out of consistency. Keep coming to church. Keep turning up. Keep tithing. Keep sowing. Keep serving. Keep giving. I'm telling you, consistency. Watch this. Jocko Willink, who was a, a, a Navy SEAL commander, said this. He said this. He said, motivation is good for about 15 seconds. Motivation is good. People go to motivational seminars. Say, Pastor, you know, I was, I was motivated. I'm pumped. But he says, it's good for about 15 seconds. After that, it's discipline. And discipline alone that will help you to achieve your results. You know what discipline is? I turned up. Well, you got knocked down, so I turned up again. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times. Seven times. He gets back up again. Your breakthrough is in your consistency. Your breakthrough is in your strike the ground. In your strike the ground. Don't quit after three. Don't quit after four. You should have struck five or six. Keep striking. Keep striking. Keep striking. Keep striking. Keep striking until you have to. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I declare 2023 will be my year of 2023. I will strike until. I will strike until. I will not let the curse be greater than my passion, my discipline, my consistency. I will strike until. Come on, give God a great praise. Come on, give Him a shout. Give Him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm way over time. I'm in big trouble. This is what's going to happen. If your life is not right with Jesus, don't leave till you get power. Give your life to Christ. If you need prayer, if you need ministry, if you need breakthrough, the ministry team are going to come forward. Come down and say, man, I lost heart. I quit. I gave up on striking. Would you help me strike again? Would you keep me accountable? Would you ask me next Sunday? You've been striking? Keep striking. I used to go to men's prayer, but man, nothing seemed to shift. I was over. Go, go again. Go again. Keep striking. Keep striking. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, Galatians 6, 9 says this. It says, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap your harvest if you don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep striking, keep striking, keep striking. Come on. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative.
Bye for now.